We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. Coming at you Friday morning, it's March. It's March 1st. And because it's March 1st, I figured we kind of use this episode as a sort of reflection of February. Obviously, the Wolves play uh, the Kings this evening. They play the Clippers on Sunday. We're not going to have a pod until after both of these games. Hopefully, this is kind of an episode you can listen to. Uh, anytime over this weekend. But I think February was a pretty important bounce back uh, month for this team because January was tough. Um, it was it was set up to be tough. It was a slog. There was, it was road heavy. It's right before the break. They only went 10 and 7 in that time, which is still a very good record. But comparatively to the other months, uh, not as good. I thought in February they looked more like the early season Wolves. Uh, another month they logged the best defense in the NBA in February was their best, best offensive month of the season. I got Kyle Tige here with me for the Friday pod. Kyle, we'll get into this and other things around the Wolves uh, for, for a weekend pod. How how are you? Uh, I'm good. We were saying before this, I, we haven't done a pod in a while, right? It's kind of because we did like five pods that week <laughs> of the Portland series. Yeah, uh, I kind of felt like Remember the back in the day when you'd have you'd stay at like a buddy's house all weekend and then you're like, oh, we're sick of each other. We're not even going to like talk in school for like a week. So I think that was you and I. We haven't really talked much. I think but, that uh, was an all star break. Yes. Well, yeah. Oh, maybe. OK, that too. Yeah. My mother in law was in. Maybe you did. Maybe you maybe were sick of me. I don't know. But uh, no, it's I was just kind of laying in bed last night looking at February because it did. It felt like a slog. It felt like a grind. January is more of a grind, I think, in the NBA yeah. post Christmas. Uh, but February can be a grind, too, especially when you mix in, like, a trade deadline and an all-star break. Um, but the Wolves, like, you just, I don't know, have you looked at their schedule for February? Like, they never, I don't think they ever lost by more than five points. And, like, the games they lost were all, like, they choked against the Magic. Or, I was pulling it up right now, like, they choked against the Magic at home. They choked that Bulls game away. Uh, and they kind of beat everyone else. They choked that Bucks game. Like, they pretty much had their best sure. month of basketball in February. Yep. And that was highlighted by Ant, who's not going to win Western Conference Player of the Month because Luca's numbers are video game like. But I think he averaged like 31 points in March or in February, which is the only other person to do that in franchise history was Kevin Love. So mm-hmm. really good month. Um, they've have what eight and two in their last ten. They haven't lost by double digits since January third. They haven't lost three games in a row 
since March 2023. I mean, it's just it continues to be like all this random stuff of like, I've never seen this before. So, yeah, you wake up this morning and they're 42, 17 and they have a full game lead on the Thunder now after the Thunder fell in one of the best regular season games I've ever seen last night against Wemby. Yeah, I uh, I didn't I didn't watch it last night, but I like you should have to the... pay to watch that. Like that's like <laughs> premier subscription stuff. That was insane. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna to check that out. But I definitely got like a bunch of texts, like, "Are you watching? Are you watching Chet and and Wemby right now?" And uh, yeah, I will I have to watch out by that. It's big from from the Wolves' perspective of the Thunder, you know, falling. It's kind of like a reminder of for the Wolves whenever they are able to beat a good team or you know not lose to a bad team, whatever. Like, it is going to be tight here the the rest of the way for for all these teams. Obviously, the Nuggets are coming. Yeah. Um, too, and I really think that's probably going to be the Wolves' battle for for the one. But I, I really like. I am kind of on the cliche of like, be with your competing with yourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Can you become a better version of yourself? Can you be the more consistent uh, team? The things you hear the Nuggets, you know, saying too. I think the one seed matters in in the conference, but what what matters to me most, or what will give me most confidence in the Wolves, is that they continue to make like the small strides in the mm-hmm. areas that they, you know, have somewhat held them back in a, in a great season. Right. Um, and that's, that's why, you know, I've just kind of been saying, I, I don't know how far I'm going to project the wolves to go, but it's going to be in the playoffs, but it's going to be pretty directly correlated to how this offense fares, how over the last 20 some games of the season and how, rare the Orlando games are the Chicago games are that we're talking about there just they have another one of them it doesn't mean they're screwed and they're not gonna go anywhere but can that feel less and less like a part of their identity and can the offense get better and better and that happened in in February if you just go through November 15th in offense December 19th in offense January 15th in offense doesn't seem like a huge difference but February they were 11th you know that's that's the range right yeah can you be it? Can you be top ten, low end of that? Um, I, I think that matters a lot. We've, you know, we were talking about this in Portland a ton. It's pretty much just as simple as not turning the ball over as much, and that's what happened. You know, November twenty fifth in turnovers, December thirtieth in turnovers, January twenty seventh, and then February they get up to seventeenth, and it's like they shot worse. Their shooting numbers were worse in February, but just that, just those extra possessions, and not giving you know, the, the team, the ball is making, it makes a huge difference. And just being able to kind of dominate a game end to end or not fall back by, by 15 points, they're becoming a more mature version of a slight of a young team. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and that is, that is what the progression was always going to have to be. You were going to always have a team where your best player was 22. Your most, one of your most important defensive players was 23. Your probably most important player off the bench was 24 and kills. I mean, it's just a, it's a it's a young team that was going to be fighting a maturity issues over the course of the year. And they have. I, I think mm-hmm. that's what is is starting, you know, to show up. And it, of course, it's about sustaining that. Yeah, that whole conversation of the one seed. It's like important in one vein. I know Jace is kind of tracking it because you are there's only so many games left. Right. Like I, the Wolves wake up today and yeah, they're first in the West. They're a game clear of OKC one and a half games clear of Denver. But. The biggest one to me is that there's seven games clear of the Suns for the five seed. Like sure. you are probably a week or so away, mm-hmm. you know, outside of an apocalyptic collapse. Like you're about a week away from like clinching home court 
in the first round, <clears throat> which, so again, back to the one seed, it's really only important if like, what is, what are your goals right now? We're starting to see this thing last and be sustainable for so many months and so many games that you're like just winning one playoff series, despite not doing it for 20 years, probably shouldn't be the goal, <laughs> right? Like you, the West is wide open. I do think Denver is kind of back to being Denver. So I wouldn't say the wolves are the favorites in the West, but it's pretty open. And if you can avoid, you know, if you can be one, two in the standings in any order uh, yeah. and avoid Denver in the first or second round, that'd be great. But yeah, if you're, if your goal is, Hey, why can't, you know, when like Portland did that one season, why can't we just make a run in a Western conference? Then the one seed's really important sure. because I mean, they're 22 and six at home. I think outside of maybe Boston, who's 27 mm -hmm. and three, that's the best mark in the league. Uh, so, you know, you want to play as many games at home at home po as possible uh, cut down on travel, all that stuff. So it's going to be kind of a sprint to the finish line, like you've been saying pretty much all week. But I also agree with you that the only team that should they should be looking at in the standings is themselves, because yeah. this team has shown you, yes, they are becoming a more mature young team, but they're still have immaturity that leaks through. And if they start looking, I mean, and said it himself when he was in Portland, like, I have no idea what the standings are. He doesn't know a lot of things. So he's like, I just kind of come here and do my job. But uh, as yeah. long as they keep focused on just trying to win all these games at home, they came out of the break. It was a little stale, but they haven't lost yet. So mm -hmm. they're going to continue to grind this seven-game home. So they lost to Milwaukee. They, they lost. The first yeah, that's right. I didn't count yeah, that, yeah. though, because yeah. it was so late for me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then they go on. They, I think they have one more nasty little road trip uh, coming up. It's like spans like 10 or so days. And that'll be a challenge, too, right, uh, when you get comfortable at home. So they have... They couldn't be in a better spot as they enter March. Uh, and that's a weird thing to say because usually March 1st, when you send me this this recording link, it's like, all right, so who are we breaking down in the draft? And I don't know. I don't know who's in the draft. I know it's a bad one. But uh, yeah, these next, what? how many games do they have left? 42, 23? Yeah. I think they probably got to win 15 of those games to to keep the one seed. I, I think this this weekend is is interesting. Um, Kings yeah. and Clippers, yeah, you know, two playoff teams for sure, right? And um, you know the they do play better against teams that mm -hmm. they you know feel are are more of a challenge. I guess we'll see how much they treat the Kings as that, but we know how they played against the Clippers um, throughout this season. And yeah, I, I think it, it's an opportunity again at home. Um, it's not a back to back. The Kings game, I guess, the Clippers game is the front end of a back to back, but. If they take care of business in those two games, easier said than done. Again, I think those are two good teams. I, I wouldn't sleep on the Kings either. But but now you've, to your kind of like Phoenix point, I think you do that, you've pushed yourself up into, now we're pretty sure this is a one or two seed mm -hmm. um, in the, you know, in the, in the Western Conference. They get they get Portland on the back end of the back-to-back -back against the, the Clippers, which was interesting. That's what happened um, when they played the Clippers last time, right? They got the Clippers on the front end. And then they got the Blazers on the back end of that two weeks ago, too. It's a nice little gift there uh, in the schedule. So take care of the Kings. Take care of the Clippers. It is the Blazers. Then on Monday, you can, if you can win all three of those, then you go into that that road trip, which is tough. It's a mm -hmm. it's an Indiana-Cleveland back-to-back, right? Um, followed up by a trip to L.A. for a game against the Clippers and Lakers. There, there is some importance to, to taking care of business, I think, over over the course of this weekend into Monday so as to stay up there. Because I don't, again, like we said, I don't think the Nuggets are really going away. Um, the, you know, the Thunder and Clippers have like waxed and waned a little bit, but 
the point is, is if you fumble a little bit, if any of those teams fumble, Wolves included, you look at the standings, even if you started at one at the beginning of the week, you might be at three or four at, at the end of it. So it's just about kind of continuing and sustaining. And bizarrely, I, I almost feel more confident about their ability to do that when I say Kings and Clippers on the schedule coming up almost more so than I do Spurs and Grizzlies, just because you feel like you're going to get that effort, right? I don't know exactly what the sport is called, but like late night or early mornings in the summer on ESPN when they do like the outdoorsy competitions and the guys chop down the logs and like they insert the thing lumberjack. in and they go, yeah, like the lumberjack goes yeah. up a level now. That's kind of what the wolves just have to do, right? I mean, you've worked so hard and they have to get to 42 and 17. Their longest losing streak of the season has been two games. That stuff too is like ties into that's a pretty mature group. Even sure. when they are immature, if they never, you've coined the term, let go of the rope, they've never even, you know, if the rope slips a little bit, they pull it back. Uh, so as long as, you know, I mean, because you were talking about that that little West Coast kind of road trip where it starts in Indiana, but then Lakers, Clippers, then it's two against the Jazz in Utah. And yeah. then that second Jazz game, they fly back home and play the Nuggets of all teams the next night. Um, and then this Clippers game on Sunday is a matinee game. And right. back to the immaturity, like I know these guys, especially with all of them starting to be fathers, like they love their naps and that's they they never show up for those early games. Right. Uh, so. One game at well, a time. Well, the Clippers either, you know, like it's to That's whatever true. extent it's a, a matinee. You, I don't know. You have that lax sort of start to them as they often are. I'm not really expecting like Kawhi and Paul George and James Harden to come out like guns blazing at 2 p.m. What time are clubs open till on Saturday night in Minneapolis? <laughs> Nothing's open late Okay, so then James Harden will be well rested. Uh, there, uh, there's maybe some places James Harden could go. But it is it, it, after, you know, a couple, you know, the Spurs are fun. It's so cool to watch Wemby right now. Just 10 seconds. Like he is, he is like a top 20 player in the league. And they're probably a, a four seed moving forward every year if they make one smart transaction. But you can only pick apart so much watching Grizzlies games and Spurs games and Portland Trailblazers games. I thought you did a really good preview for the Kings game. That's tonight. You did a pod yesterday with, with Brandon, um, I want to see them play real teams that are also yeah. kind of hungry and fighting. The Clippers sure. have slid a little bit now down to four, five and five in their last 10. But, you know, it takes one week for them to kind of figure it out, too. So we're back to meaningful games that I think you'll be able to dissect in right. the coming weeks. Uh, and it starts again tonight against a Kings team that after your preview yesterday, I feel like would be a pretty good matchup for the Wolves if it was one eight. Yeah, I do too, but also interesting to the dissecting point of it of like, I mean, so, so you listen to it, like mm -hmm. I, the, the things I, I kind of got into with that is like, all right, you know, I think Sabonis can theoretically be pretty difficult matchup for Gobert to guard, right? That's more of the isolation, less of the like just strict rim protection for Gobert. Fox is fast. We'll see if he's playing in this game. The the Kings really play passing lanes. are going to try and generate turnovers, that sort of thing. I mean, and I like seeing that. And I think you you like seeing like if you're the wolves, you like seeing that because it's it's an opportunity to like stomp out some of the lingering concerns you might have of your team or like be able to be like, yeah, you know, we have had turnovers issues uh, in the past or we have had trouble, you know, chasing shooters with our power forwards. Cat, you know, cat's going to need to chase around Harrison Barnes or Nas is going to have to chase Kevin Herter or something like that. I think what sucks about like the Grizzlies game is all like when you're playing them, all it can really do in that game is like confirm some negative biases that you have, right? 
you yeah. take care of the Grizzlies and you're, you stay kind of where you are. Right. And that's just life as a, a really good team in the NBA. You don't get a ton of credit for, you know, beating bad teams, even though it's important to count the standings, it's going to push you towards, towards that, that top seed. It's just, it's interesting for me. And I think it's more interesting for them to really be able to stress test themselves against other playoff teams that present challenges, the Kings too, like the Kings and the Clippers kind of putting that all together are able to, if we made the list of like, Oh, these are things we're a little, you know, insecure about with the wolves. You can point to the Clippers and Kings being able to kind of poke yeah. at all of those things, but poking doesn't mean they're going to be broken by it because they haven't been broken uh, by the Clippers this season. You know, let's see maybe how small ball more of that works or whatever. And then they did beat the Kings last time they played uh, without cap. And that's going to be interesting tonight. Um, they, the one time cap played against the Kings, they, they did lose, but, these are the games you mark on your, your calendar and you're like, all right, I'm not just watching the wolves to see if they can sustain. I'm watching the wolves to see like, Oh yeah, they beat this team. And now I'm even higher on them looking, mm-hmm. looking forward. And those, those are the, those are the most fun games. Yeah. As a, look, I just keep looking at the standings as a Minnesota sports fan or a Minnesota Jim Rose fan. It's also, I don't know if there's any team I want to play, right? Like I would just love if the wolves could get the one seed. And then it's like March madness where you play like, some D3 school from Indiana. Uh, but if you do have to play someone in the first round, which I think they do, like the Kings and the Mavericks are the teams that would be on my radar more than, I don't know why, probably just the, you know, the rain, the the tendonitis, the Timberwolves scar tissue. I, I just don't want to play the Lakers or the Warriors because those teams have done it before and probably get a good whistle and probably have the better player in in the series. Uh, so I think th- I think tonight with the Kings would be a really good matchup. Obviously, the Wolves and Clippers wouldn't face off in the first round unless things went south for for the Clippers. But uh, that's another one where it's like those styles are so contrasting, right? Because the Clippers are totally cool. They they love Zubac, but like they can just play five out and try to yeah. do to Rudy what was done to Rudy in a different iteration of the Clippers back in the day that kind of tarnished his resume or his totally you know perception around of. the league. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just I'm. It used to be fun to just chalk up wins. I mean, again, they sit here today at 42 and 17. Last year, they were 42 and 40, right? Like, that's a pretty crazy leap. Uh, and to do it, which I think is the coolest thing, it's the same eight guys, right? It's the same coach. You rarely see in sports now with all the pressure to win and all the outside noise of, like, if, if an experiment doesn't work, you change the experiment or you tweak the experiment. And the Wolves, for better or worse, just ran it back with the same rotation same coaching staff and just tweaked parts of the experiment internally rather than externally and it's led to them being i think they're on pace to win 59 games now which would su- surpass the 0304 team that won 58 games so yeah just keep winning games keep kind of asserting yourself and probably don't show too much uh, that was one thing i think brit said after the last time they played the clippers it's like what well, do you think Ty Lue showed his hand that's another thing too is like if you see them lose to the Clippers, you're like, why didn't they put Ant on Kawhi more? So I was like, maybe you save some of those cards for April. Like you don't want to show all your stuff now in March. So just do what you do. Integrate some guys. You'll know, maybe get Jaden. I listened to you all week. You had a, you had a Jaden McDaniel segment with everyone this week, except me, but uh, you know, get, get, get Jaden into it a little more, you know, keep guys fresh. I think they've been kind of cutting Mike's Mike Conley's minutes down a little bit. I mean, Monty Morris, Jack Foreman had this, but, I think Monty Morris has a 21 to 21 assists and one turnover in his last seven games. 
that seems pretty good. Uh, so just, you know, get, find guys rest when you can. I like that Rudy set out that one night. I love, you know, Carl's was personal, but find moments to give a guy a rest, give a guy a break, keep the offense humming. I think 11th is totally fine when your defense is, as you always say, like first with a bullet. Uh, so see how far you can push that along. Try to avoid injuries, knock on wood, uh, and see where you are on, you know, April 10th. I want to do more on the 42 wins thing. Let's do a, okay. let's do a segment on that, but let's let's grab our uh, ad break here. And it's been a month, Kyle, but we get to talk about let's English go. Buffers again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Skillet.com. Um, honestly, I think Eggs Benedict is my favorite food. If I like, if there's like one, you're like, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I really, I, I mean, you know, everybody likes like pizza and stuff like that. But English muffins, one of my favorite foods. And it was so funny when the when Stoned Skill reached out to me to to do this. I was like, and I I have your English muffins in my in my kitchen uh, right now. They sent us like a whole big pack around Christmas, and you you got some too. Uh, just I mean, they're English muffins. They're an indulgence, whatever. But they're these are just if you're going to indulge in an English muffin in the morning, you know, like make it be a, a good one. And actually, you know, this is a healthier one. There's actually protein, six grams of protein. And stone and skillets, uh, non-GMO certified. We, you know, it's uh, it, it's these are the fun sort of things to to kind of uh, sponsor because I just like them. You know, I, I like having a product that that I really enjoy. And I know uh, we we both like you know when we met with uh, Cam at at Stone and Skillet, just we like their their story um, as well. Uh, Stoneandskillet.com for twenty percent off uh, in order. You can use promo code Dane to get that twenty percent off. Um, when you're there. Otherwise, they are at um, Whole Foods as well. Um, they're kind of a, a startup business themselves. I mean, they've been going uh, for about 10 years, but are really expanding. So it's a it's a good business to uh, to support and they're a business that supports us. So we hope that you consider Stone and Skillet's English muffins. Do you miss them, Kyle? Can you get them? Out? I don't know if you are. They, I can't you get, can get them in out? store. So I got to order them online. Okay. Uh, so I got to reach out to Cam and maybe get one of those treasure chest boxes again. But it is like <laughs> Honestly, I think that was most of the reason I logged in today to do this pod. I was like, oh, it's March. We're going to do more Stone and Skillet uh, yes, ad breaks. It, it's, I swear by them. We've talked about this all the time. Like, We try to find and partner with people on this pod that we kind of believe in or like we want to do uh, yeah. or we support. So as we always say, if you can't support the Patreon or whatever, support the people that support us. And Stone and Skillet does an awesome job, Cam and everyone over there, of supporting us. So uh, best English muffins on the market. I swear by them. And they're really good. Morning, noon, or night. Sometimes <laughs> at night, too. Uh, and then quickly, also, uh, today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, PrizePicks.com, Prize Picks app, promo code Dane for a $100 sign-up bonus. Uh, you know, we got a Wolves game tonight, so you can uh, you can take a look at uh, what is, is set up there. Just quickly, I was looking at They still got Jane McDaniels under 10 points, uh, 9.5. That moved down um, recently to be his kind of nightly number, 9.5, kind of like that. Um, I was looking at Carl's, his point totals down to like 20, 21 and a half. I was thinking about it and I'm like, all right, I think they're either going to double Carl a bunch. So as to, you know, let him maybe rack up six, seven, eight assists in the game or, or not and score. So I think if you kind of put those two together, 24 and a half points plus assists, I like that for Carl. And then I took a, a less than on Rudy Gobert. I think it's, I think Sabonis is, is one of those matchups that could potentially get him uh, in foul trouble, Rudy's numbers are still, you know, kind of what they are at all the time. He's still maybe dealing with that ankle a little bit, you know, didn't, isn't coming off a great game. So I put under 20 and a half, 28 and a half 
points, rebounds, and assists for Gobert. Um, as always, you guys can just check out uh, not just the whoops, not just the Wolves ones, but all you know NBA. Otherwise, uh, it's, it's a fun thing to do. I think maybe particularly on a night uh, when the Wolves aren't playing and you're uh, watching the NBA. So that's PricePix.com, PricePix app, promo code Dane for a one hundred dollar sign up bonus. Uh, Kyle, let's. Uh, you, you're mentioning the the forty two wins thing before. Uh, obviously, this team went forty two and forty last year, and they are at. They got their 42nd win of the season on, on February 28th and, you know, round numbers, whatever. <laughs> it's It makes it easier to look at, but it is such a reminder of uh, where this team has come without making that many changes. And it's probably just a good thing for us to reflect on this more, maybe even more often than we do, that this was that the same group last season and that they, this group is just significantly more consistent, significantly more healthy. Than they were a year ago. I was reading Brit's column this morning. Uh, the starting five, all five of them have started 40 of the 59 games this season. That helps, but I don't know. What what are just some some factors in, in your mind that have gone into making this be so different this season and so much more winning or winning at such a higher rate than they did a year ago? I do that stupid tweet after they hit a milestone of a previous season. And when I posted the 42 and 17 compared to 42 and 40. I like to add photos to it. And last year's photo, I put Rudy Gobert punching Kyle Anderson. And this year I put Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert hugging. And that's my answer. Like I, I we had, you know, we have Jim Pete on flagrant Howells every Thursday now. And the beauty of that is he's already become a better podcaster than I am, which isn't a surprise to many, but uh, he just tells it like it is right. It's just like a broadcast. Jim just tells it like it is. And he travels with the team on the team plane. He's on the bus. And just the chemistry. I mean, really, the camaraderie. And that also, I think you like everyone. You like your coworkers more when vibes are good and you're winning. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that, that's a big part of it. That's not a numbers thing that I'm sure you have a ton of stats you can throw at me. But when you say that the same exact group of guys is just playing way better basketball, you have to kind of commend the vibes or, you know, the camaraderie or maybe just the continuity of having. I mean, you don't see continuity in sports too often anymore either right like you always see these rosters get major changes so that's been the big one to me is just another year for all these guys playing for finch i know finch has had his ups and downs just like almost anyone on this roster but they've come together they believe in like the system they trust the defense rudy you know you know back and forth you and i like he's healthier he trusts his teammates more both but he clearly trusts his teammates more and he's going to win his fourth defensive player of the year and this team might have two defensive guys on all defensive teams. So I'm sure you have a better answer than I do, but I just, it's cool to watch these guys just gel uh, and, and trust each other more, find each, you know, find guys in the corner more. There's been more lobs, uh, defenses on a string. They, they kind of trust each other in transition a little more. They're a weird borderline bad transition team, but they're starting to find each other a little more like three on two, two on one things. Like they're actually sure. better at that now. <laughs> so that's been a big thing to me is just, the continuity that they, the same guys that, as Kyle Anderson said, went through hell, they kept going. And now I guess they're in heaven. I don't know. I feel like I'm in heaven. <laughs> um, I, I give Ant a lot of blame for that up and down sort of nature of, of this team. Right. Um, I think in almost every one of the, I guess, bad losses or games when they've blown a lead, like, my my eye in the game when I'm watching it is like this is Ant, you know, 
not taking it as Losing serious. Not being, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Um, and and I think I think that's whatever. Anybody's watching, you can kind of see it. Like Ant is the straw that stirs the drink for this team when it's a bad drink. Mm-hmm. He's also the straw that stirs the drink every game, you know. And and when I think about forty two and forty last season versus forty two and seventeen this year, not to take away from the the strides that Rudy has made or the adjustments that Cat has made, the way I think Nikhil and Nas have grown even more, but it's Ant. It's mm-hmm. Ant to yes, me. Sir. This, this, uh, he, he, he drives this. And, and also, you know, I, I still even say this all the time where I'm like, Oh, you know, back to back Ant, like maybe take the under on his points or like it's, uh, in a back to back, you might get a one lazy quarter from Ant now, but it is, he's gotten more consistent in that. And I think while there are elements of immaturity to his game, there's a lot more maturity than it was before. I mean, I think you always just need to, set the scene of like he came in rookie year one of zero out of 10 in so many ways right in terms of readiness maturity understanding all that and if you're going from that even you know three and a half years later it's it's impressive to be passing even in many of those ways and he's he's excelling um i i don't i don't know what else i mean yeah i think it's the collective continuity of the group but if i had to pinpoint one thing for why the wolves are this it's because Anthony Edwards has raised himself to a level of a consistent star on a winning team. And quite frankly, that's not something I anticipated him doing or, or being at, at, at 22 years old. Now, maybe he couldn't have done that without Rudy making the defense number one cat and all the other things I said, but yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with Ant, of course. I, I, I'm a little biased because I was there right up close and personal for those two Blazers games. I finally that, was able those to, were like, a watch, great example of this. Yeah, I was finally able to watch them back on League Pass, and those were really impressive performances by him specifically, because it's just you're beaten up. I think he was questionable in one of those games, or maybe both, with the knee thing. Uh, it's the right before All Star break, which you know now if you're an All Star is going to be a, a drain just because you're kind of stretched in so many ways. And at one point, maybe it was the second Blazers game, but they were up again. You know, twenty twenty five. And he had a possession where he did like the slap the floor on defense. And that's when you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, this isn't Georgia Ant anymore like this. And, you know, credit where credit's due too. We've talked about this ad nauseum before, but I think the organization should get a little cred too because I do, as we watch these drafts, I've kind of been like down Rockets Twitter a little bit. Um, You know, they had, I think they've had nine first round picks in like the last three or four years and they spent all this money. And they're going to finish 12th in the West, right? Like, I think it's important that Anthony Edwards, who had questions about, you know, the whole football thing. Like, does he love basketball? He's, you know, does, has he ever won? Has he ever played in a big stage? Ever since he got to this team, they've surrounded him. We always talk about, like, the point guards, right? He's played with real important vets. They didn't, as soon as they got Anthony Edwards, they basically kind of tried to start winning. You know, like, they didn't say, hey, you know, we're going to tank a year and try to get one more high pick. They really just said, okay, we got this jet engine we're going to try to like fly. And it was a slow couple of years. Takeoff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a slow takeoff. But now that thing is humming. And it. And I'm probably being me- like mean to the kid. But I just when I look at other lottery picks that are in bad situations, like I think of LaMelo Ball all the time. And it's just they've never really put the right pieces around him. They've never really tried to win. And now it's like his stock is low. I don't know what LaMelo Ball is. And that's scary because when you get out of your rookie contract and now you're into these maxes and you know super maxes depending on all nba you have to know it's like the quarterback 
in the NFL, like sure. you got to know after four years, is this kid going to be the face of our franchise? Not don't worry about the face of the league. Can you right. be the face of our franchise? We're in year four. And I don't know if this team, other than one other player in 35 years, has ever felt more confident in the guy that they are going to pin their hopes to in Anthony Edwards. And he deserves it because, again, they're up 25 against the 14th team in the West. And he is slapping the floor trying to play defense. Like, that's not what he did in year one. And all credit to him as well. The I, I like the quarterback example. Like, that was, I don't know if it's, I don't follow the NFL salary cap as much, but I know the basic idea of like, rookie quarterbacks. A, yeah. yeah. If you have a quarterback on the rookie scale, like you can just spend a whole bunch of money elsewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it does that. I actually don't remember if I was doing this, talked about this with Brendan on the podcast while we were recording or afterwards, uh, or after we stopped hitting record. Um, but we we're talking about Keegan Murray and how like, it's kind of important for the Kings to like figure out mm-hmm. what their team is going to be before Murray signs that probably max contract, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and sometimes we do the thing, you know, you point to Houston or something like that and you go, oh, yeah, no, they just spend a whole bunch of money right away to, to get good. And it, it, it's like dangerous, right? Like sometimes that isn't going to work. Jalen green. It, yeah. And you just like kind of set yourself into a position where you didn't get good at the, the right time. There, mm-hmm. There's, there's some value to that just from an economic cap structure standpoint. And, you know, to sort of the King's point, like they probably got to figure out who it is before they, you know, before Murray's cap number jumps massively. And the Wolves did that with Ant. And, you know, and I was skeptical of the, the reasons for that. I didn't like the idea of kind of going all in on Cat's window versus Ant's window. That was kind of my line back then when they made the Gobert trade. But reflecting on it more and to, to your point of what you were just talking about, there's not just value in like, putting Ant and Jaden in situations to win early in their career. There's literal like cap value in figuring out who you want to be and how you're going to be that getting those pieces in before Ant's number jumps, before Jaden's number jumps, because then you can bring back Mike Conley on an extension. You can bring back Kyle Anderson with bird rights if you want, right? Like even though you have this huge like luxury tax situation, um, there, there is a gift in being able to even be there, right? To mm-hmm. be able to be able to spend that much money, actually, to spend into the luxury tax that high, you have to have kind of built your team well, because yeah. to get that high into the luxury tax, you're like, all right, we're already over the cap, and now we are bringing back our players that have been good, and we're giving them raises so as to do that, and that has just, I mean. Quite frankly, the reason I didn't think that was a great idea with Ant is just because I thought this was going to take some time because he came in, he was so young and he was so green and it's just worked to put him in that winning environment. And then I think salary cap wise, it's it's put them, them in a situation to be able to, you know, have the volume of talent that they have mm-hmm. on their team and they will have, you know, I mean, at some point, you know, Mike's going to retire and some of that stuff's going to happen, but into the like ramp up into ants prime they're gonna have a heavily a a heavy talent team and uh that's just that's just worked because they didn't underestimate ant in in the ways that i did have you ever thought this might be a take but i think it's more detrimental to an nba franchise to give a max extension like off of a rookie contract to a player you're unsure of than to just miss in the lottery if you miss in the lottery, you know, like you're probably going to suck 
and then you'll go back to the well again the next year and you'll take another swing. But if you don't know at the end of that short four year window or whatever that they, this is a guy again, I, I kind of just interrupted you, but like the Jalen Green oh. thing was go back and look at that draft, right? Like it was Mobley. And who who was first in that draft? I'm blanking. Great podcast. Right? Paulo. Right. Pa- yeah. Yeah. Or no, Paulo was like the Jabari Smith one, I think. But <laughs> my point is, is that like the Jalen Green thing was a real question and he just hasn't worked out. And now there's a lot of stuff that, like he's probably going to be on his way out. And that's that's that is detrimental. I mean, obviously, they're probably not going to pay him, but it's just detrimental when you either invest in the wrong guy or to a lesser extent, in my opinion, you miss on the guy. And that 2020 draft, we talked about this yesterday with Jim Pete, who he just was like, you know, I know circumstances are what they are. And it was kind of a messy breakup. But Tim Conley has really taken this thing to a level that we haven't seen. But Gerson Rosas really left him a lot of chips. Like that 2020 draft is the most into a draft I've ever been because I was trapped in my house and at Canis, like we were doing large breakdowns of Denny Avdia's like diet because we had nothing else to do. We couldn't leave the house. But that was the hardest draft, in my opinion, I guess in my lifetime that to, to scout because you didn't have March Madness. You didn't have any guys like setting sure. themselves apart. You didn't have a summer league. You didn't have a combine. So for them to come out of the 2020 draft with an Anthony Edwards, who was by no means a bona fide number one overall pick, like it was LaMelo and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, James Wiseman and stuff. And then to also grab Jaden in what was essentially like a James Johnson and Poku for <laughs> Ricky Rubio and, and Jaden and the ghost of Leandro Balmero. Uh, Ad Nas Reed in there as an undrafted free agent, another guy that showed you during his time. Yep, we can pay him. We can we can put that on, on the books as well. So every player that they've brought in that's under 25, Nikhil's another one, has panned out to such a level. They're like, I'm OK. I mean, how many other teams can you think of? That in February, no, they have their seven best players signed for the next season. That's just right. so rare. And the Wolves have that. And we'll learn about them in the playoffs and maybe they'll switch it up a little bit this summer. But that's just a, another feather in their cap as well from the front office is that all these guys that are contributing the most are going to be here at least another year. And that allows for, again, back to my original point, that continuity that might be the backbone of all of this. That draft was Cade Cunningham first one. Cade Cunningham, oh, Jalen Reed. Thank you. Green. We don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I think we know on Cade, but that's another one's like the Pistons well, never that, forgot. That, around that's him. the point, right? As I'm thinking about all those guys, I would leave Green out of there because I don't think he'll get a max. But like with Cade and you know Mobley and even Scotty Barnes was the fourth pick there. It's like you know obviously you're going to give those guys maxes, but you don't really know if they're a number one. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I felt probably with Cade feel confident that, you know, thinks so, right. He's like a number two, but there's just, there's some sort of like cap risk or it just makes it, it, it like shrinks the hole that you have to thread the needle through. Mm-hmm. If, you know, Mobley is only like a third best player on your team. Right. And you're like, now we need to get more creative ways in which to get a number two. And we're, we're in this more of a cap bind because we did give Mobley that, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, that's just the, of course, like not breaking news here, but the value in being able to have your rookie player that you signed to that max extension be, you know, a bona fide number one, or, which as Ant is, but even if it's a bona fide number two, like that just makes it easier to build um, going forward. And even then, it's still tough. Like, look at the Wolves, you know, it's just, but I, I like that. I like that take of like, it can, a player that's not a bust in the draft that ends up getting a max 
and doesn't live up to that max or doesn't heavily exceed it can almost be as costly as being a bust in the first place. Maybe and, not not the same, but I, I get what you're I get what you're it, saying. Man. And I, I would take it one step further because you were saying like bona fide twos, but if you if you don't have a one, I don't think it matters if you have a two, three, and four. Yeah, right. You know, like because uh, look at Brooklyn with Bridges. Yeah, if Brooklyn. Like, I mean, again, one, yeah. not to just completely dump on the Rockets, but like I think Jabari Smith has played really well, and they have maybe a two there, and maybe they have think you know Shingun is awesome. So maybe he's their two, and Jabari Smith's their three. They don't have a one. And Rockets fans themselves are pretty open. Like we don't, we we don't have that guy. And if you don't have that guy in a league that is driven by just having that guy, I mean, it is back to the quarterback thing. If you don't have a quarterback, your team's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a one, a guy that can be the best player on a championship team, you you just you have no chance in this league. And four years in, five months into this season, the Wolves know with a bullet they have a one. They probably have a two and a three and maybe a four. So. It's the best chance they've had in 20 years to make a little bit of noise uh, back to that 0-3-0-4 season, which we reference all the time. And uh, yeah, again, to match last year's win total on leap day or on, you know, before the end of February is a pretty cool accomplishment. And it's been kind of cool, too, because like I look up to like Jim Pete, who we have on the pod or Britt, who we have on the pod. Uh, those guys have seen more than any of us. Right. I mean, we I've been a fan of my whole life, but they've been. Jim was saying yesterday that, you know, I called a lot of those games when they're 20 and 63. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, but Jim Pete used to do a lot of discussions in the fourth quarter about yard work because there was <laughs> nothing else to talk about. Yeah, right. And, he, and the, the kind of the older generation who still I'm sure they're, you know, they're still young at heart, but they're embracing this and just kind of being like, just enjoy this for a second. And I preach that all the time because and I said this yesterday, I always will think about for my entire basketball sports life when the Thunder were playing the Heat and the Heat are about to win their first title with the, the Heatles and Durant and Harden and Westbrook are standing on the sideline and Mike Breen or whatever was like, just look at that young trio. They're going to be back here many years, you know, bright, bright future in OKC. And then three months later, they traded Harden. So even though they have seven of their best players in Minnesota extended through at least another season, it's no guarantee that all seven will be back in October. So enjoy this moment. Embrace this team. It's a lot of fun. And as long as they don't trip over themselves, there's really no one in their way outside of maybe one uh, team in Denver that can really slow them down in the West. Today's show is brought to you by Doer, D-U-E-R. You've all heard me talk about how much I love my Doer jeans. They're legit. My favorite pants to wear. I've got the no sweat pant in the relaxed fit. Have those in black. I will probably wear them to the game tonight. They're that type of pants where you got them because they're stylish, but they're also your most comfortable pair of pants. So you just wear them all the time because they're comfortable. Those no sweatpants were voted the number one best gift for business travels by USA Today. Again, thanks to the comfort of a pair of sweatpants, but with the clean finish of a pair of khakis or chinos, Doer makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel, not just for men, but also for women with elevated styles that stand apart. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch and that breathability and the temperature regulating fabrics keep you cool and dry. Trust me. You need Doer in your wardrobe. Order your new favorite jeans today. Check out Doer's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopduer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopduer.com slash Dane Moore. Don't wait to get 15% off now. Go to shopduer.com slash Dane Moore. 
Today's show is brought to you by Factor Meals, and I'm excited to again be doing Factor. I remember back in 2020, I did Factor. They weren't a sponsor of the show or anything. It was just the pandemic, and I was so sick of cooking myself uh, three meals a day at home. I wanted a nutritional meal. I didn't want to cook it myself, and I wanted it quick. I found Factor. Uh, it's cool they're a, a sponsor now because they're uh, meals that take two minutes to make. But they come out restaurant quality food and they're ready just to be heated up whenever I'm ready to eat. Factor for me is the perfect uh, solution for fast upscale eating options. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prep, no cooking, no cleanup needed. Oh, and the smoothies are really good. If you try this out, throw some smoothies in your cart. Head to factormeals.com slash Danemore50 and use Danemore50 to get 50% off. That's code. Dane Moore 50 at factormeals.com slash Dane Moore 50 to get 50% off. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, I know you wanted Kyle to uh, to talk about uh, Jaden McDaniels and and his <laughs> his play of late. I guess this is a, the second half of the podcast segment every day this week. I mean, it is it is a big it is a big thing. And I'll just quickly like to to the point of when we're talking about pecking order there, like in relation to max contracts and and all that sort of stuff. Like the Wolves are in the situation, like you just said, of like they got their one, two, and three all figured out. And the thing we're like gnashing our teeth over is like the five you know like how's the fifth guy fitting into that it's, it's not working as well we paid him and 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 those sort of things and and i think it's a fair conversation because it's like Jaden does need to be that better version of himself so as to kind of like that does push the ceiling of this sum i think and and so i think it is it's something that makes sense to be you know maybe overly diving into in february because this is what we're doing when it's a team that's good and you're you know, you're, you're digging into the, the smaller things. Um, but it, this isn't an, an important element, uh, of the wolves. He's had, uh, he had a rough start out of the break, but did kind of get back, uh, on track against Memphis 
in the last game is probably his best game of, of the month of February. Um, yeah. What, what did, what did you want to get to in with Jaden? I mean, I, th- I think you and Chris and Jason and Britt have done a really good job. I kind of blew my load yesterday with all, I made a page of notes on this again. I'm, I know I'm biased. I, I enjoy watching the kid from watching him in college. I enjoy his story. Uh, and for the most part, he's been, he's surpassed every, again, he was drafted 28th. Right? Like he was drafted. I know I said the trade that they acquired him in. He was selected behind Leander Balmero, who is not in the league. So what he's done in these first four years, I think is really impressive. I also think outside of that wall thing, I've interviewed that wall. I've seen that wall. It, it is a hidden wall behind a curtain. But outside of that one moment, I mean, he hasn't, you know, the Mike Conley situation the other night, like he's literally just going to fight Dennis Schroeder for Mike. And when the Rudy Gobert thing happened, he was kind of the guy that got in there to break it up. And I think he's a really good teammate to the general point of he hasn't taken the offensive leap, all that stuff. I'm with you. I don't think he's like free of blame, but I also just wonder back to your point about like the fifth, we're arguing about the fifth guy in the totem pole. It's like, yeah, man, the the Minnesota Timberwolves fan base has eaten ramen for so many years. And now you have like a five course meal and you're so concerned about like, the dessert it's like right. dude you're eating steak and matter like it, it everything is really good and this guy outside of you know and and you you and Britt went into this yesterday the thing that i'm most defensive of is i don't believe his effort has gone down yeah neither do i yeah uh and i'm just curious because the things that everyone loved about him the first couple of years oh he has he shows no emotion he's just straight laced you know he he just has the, the timberwolves Twitter account like posted the four photos was like happy Jaden sad Jaden Jaden having a baby Jaden excited they're all the same face well now that he's in a funk everyone's like look at him he's not showing any emotion he's just grifting out there he's not trying it's like it's the exact same demeanor he had okay. when we started a fan club in his sophomore season uh and then all I tweeted this out the other day I was like Jaden McDaniels as of today is the 269th highest paid player in the league and then I got people being like, oh, that's misleading. Look at what he's going to make next year. It's like, okay, it's March 1st. It's 55 degrees and sunny in Minneapolis. If I said that and someone's like, oh, that's misleading. It's going to be 30 next Saturday, buddy. <laughs> it's 55 and sunny today. That's not, how are you arguing with that? Look at the weather app. So today, Jaden is making less money than Troy Brown, Daniel House, Shake Milton, Poku, Cameron Payne, his brother. Do you know where Jalen McGowan's place? I don't know where he plays. Yes, he's going to make more money next season. So is Cat. He's going to get 30 million extra dollars. Next year, if all the same guys are on the team, they have to find ways to get Jane more involved. They do. And he has to find more ways to, you know, cut a little more. Like you said yesterday, he can't just make those baseline cuts because Rudy's in the dunker spot. Find more ways to get him involved. But he's fouling at a less rate than he ever has in his career. Like his fouls per 36 are the lowest of his four years. Sure. Fouling out is not a great stat, but he has fouled out once in 2024. So this idea that he's this foul merchant isn't really true. And if if you can point out games where, yes, he had two early fouls, I kind of blame like Finch a little bit or the coaching staff, then put him like, put Mike Conley on a sure. bigger wing for the first four minutes of the game. The first quarter is all about just feeling it out you know, dancing around the boxing ring, just kind of getting your arms loose. So don't put Jaden in situations where at the 1030 mark of the first quarter, he has two fouls. Find ways to just let him float a little bit. You said yesterday, get him a couple more offensive possessions early. You know who's going to close the game late. It's going to be Ant. It's going to be Jaden or uh, Carl. 
going to be Mike and Rudy running pick and roll. So I am biased. And I went on a rant and I am kind of giving him excuses. There are things he could do to be better. I think his defense has slipped a little bit, but his defense is like all defense, right? So now he, like maybe he just won't make all defense, but he's still one of the best 20 defenders in the league. So I don't really know why we're like nitpicking again, the dessert when it's, he's not causing issues behind the scenes. He's not demanding more play. And to end this rant, Britt is always pretty vocal. I think Jim's vocal too. I said this to him yesterday about they don't like when Jane goes off script. They don't like when Jane does what Carl does and attack three guys by himself and kind of go, you know, do it on his own. That's bad. I don't like that either. But if Jane's not allowed to go hunting for his own food and they don't pass him the ball, so no one's spoon feeding him, how is Jaden supposed to eat? Mm-hmm. Like, like I know his nickname is Slim, but like, how is he supposed to get carbohydrates and nutrients I mean, I, I, one photo, one screen grab, and I hate that, but in that game the other night, Ant drives in the lane. I was texting you this during the game. All five defenders collapse on him. Jaden's in the slot. Monty Morris is pointing at him like, hey, Jaden's open, and Ant went one on five. Guess what? He got an Ant one because he's one of the 10 best players in the league. That's fine. But it's also kind of a microcosm of he doesn't really get the ball much. So I don't, I don't think he's a problem. I would just be like out of sight, out of mind, just play defense whatever, as long as you're not demanding 15 shots a game, then I don't really care. And I don't think he is behind the scenes, but that's my Jaden rant. I don't know. Take what you want. I, no, I, I think um, I want to touch on a couple things about that. But first, just of the defense and like laying it out there, I, I think, you know, defensive estimated plus minus is the, the best sort of catch all metric we have for, you know, defensive impact. And Jaden's played 49 games this season. He's missed 10. If you go to and you set the bar of players who have played in 49 or more games this season, he's ninth in the NBA in defensive estimated plus minus. Actually, behind Nik- Nikhil Alexander Walker is is above him in that, but ninth, you know, in that or overall 96 percentile. So the defense, at least in terms of numbers, haven't hasn't dropped. And I think what we're dealing with kind of is that became the expectation in ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and maybe Jaden hasn't gotten better at defense than last year where let me just click on it he so 96th percentile defensively last season he was 92nd percentile in terms of defensive estimated plus minus so actually that those suggest it's better maybe that's a team defense thing whatever but Jaden's bar defensively i think is pretty much the same like you said the fouls have gone down i'm not saying it's perfect i'm just saying last season it wasn't perfect either and 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 i i think there's just to the contract point become the expectation that okay, he was actually going to become the very best, like with a bullet perimeter defender in the league. Is that a reasonable expectation to have put on him? Is the, is the question I think we need to ask ourselves when we start getting down on him. Yes, I would I would have liked to seen more offense from him this season. That absolutely, even within the small, the small role he has offensively, it could have been better. It could be more effective, more productive um, in, in that sort of way. But, you know, to, to your point, it, he isn't being paid $23 million a year. And then when I was just looking at like, these are the guys this year who are making oh, thank you. over, over 22, um, you know, and it's like Bruce Brown, 22 million, Aaron Gordon, 22, Draymond Green, 22, Malcolm Brogdon, 22 and a half, Dylan Brooks, 22 and a half, Terry Rozier, 23, Jordan Clarkson, 23 and a half, RJ Barrett, 23.9. Like, and I'm not saying any of those players are bad players, but let's just like, I think it's a a good example of like, 
we could go through every single one of those players and be like, there's some things I need to see from RJ Barrett before I'm thinking this is like some awesome value contract, right? You know, Bruce Brown, he's a, certainly a valuable player, but is he, you know, is he perfect? Has he lived up to the 22 million that, that he signed for? You know, I mean, Aaron Gordon is yeah, Aaron Gordon. That's a great value contract there. Draymond, obviously that comes with pluses and minuses. Malcolm Brogdon at that number too. You know, it's just like, it's, it's important to contextualize like what the expectation even is for a 22, $23 million player in today's NBA. And those players probably most maybe are, are better than Jaden McDaniels right now, but Jaden will be making that much money next season. Is he in, is he in that range? And in that conversation, I don't think any of those teams are like, Oh man, you know, I got RJ Barrett at $23 million a year. Like they, they didn't view that as like a negative asset in the trade where they just acquired him, you know, and maybe some people, you know, like RJ Barrett, whatever. But that, that framing I just think is, is important is Jane did not sign for the max, <laughs> you know, he signed for 16% of, of the max. And if he makes all NBA is going to get 30% of the, the salary cap, sorry, Jane's at 16% of the calorie, mm-hmm. salary cap. And it's going to be 30. Like there's a gap here, you know, and, Myself included. I'm not, this isn't a pointing out thing. I, you know, I, I think I've been harsh on Jane too. I need to remember that in my own framing of the context in which the contract he's been signed to, but is not yet um, earning yet at all at the same time, they need Jaden to be this player now, this yeah, season. hundred percent. He, he, he does need to be that, but I'm just framing it. That's what that is. But that's, I keep seeing this. Is, are you ready to have the Jane McDaniels conversation? And my question is, what is the conversation? Because if your point is, is that he's not playing well, I agree. I mean, he did have a kind of a bounce back game against the Grizzlies. But yeah, for you know six weeks or whatever, he was not playing well. And he's got that weird hand wrap still. And he does have some stuff in his personal life going on. Like, you never know. And I know people don't want to hear that. But guess what? They're no different employees than us. They just are way more athletic and way more, make way more money. Uh, but yeah, so I said he's 269 this year in salary. You showed that tab next year when he does make 20, $22.5 million, he actually will rank 65th. That's oh. before we get into free agency this summer. Mm-hmm. But he'll be 65th in the league in terms of highest paid players. That would put him right behind guys. You showed a couple, but Dylan Brooks, Andrew Wiggins, Kyle Kuzma, Cameron Johnson, and Jordan Poole. That's kind of a unique group of players, right? Like, sure. he's if he doesn't score, if he doesn't take any shots, if he goes full P.J. Tucker and just plays defense, he's more valuable than Jordan Poole. Right. Like, I mean, Cam Johnson, like I know we you made the Brooklyn thing like he's a three, four, fifth best player on on a championship team. But what's his one good skill? He's not like a lights out shooter. He's pretty good. But Uh, I mean, but he is. But but he isn't. He hasn't played at that. that, That's yeah, that's my point. Again, so fire him. Uh, I just I don't I think you can be like, hey, I don't think Jaden's playing very well, but he hasn't disrupted the apple cart at all, both on the court or off the court. There are ways, again, just like we've done with everyone else, right? Like, hey, why does the offense suck outside of switching sides of the court? Like, maybe get Cat in the corner a little more. Like, the coaching staff has a responsibility as well. And I'm very pro-Finch, but I I was with you. I'm always big on establishing the run in the first quarter because I think the first quarter is meaningless. I think it's funny, by the way, in terms of all the Wolves scar tissue we have. just wanted to take a quick time out to credit all of Wolves Twitter because they were down 14 to nothing against the Grizzlies. And I didn't know, they took a timeout. I didn't know if the fans were still going to have to stand. That seems like pretty gruesome. But uh, 
No I one timed on, it. Nine minutes. <laughs> no one on the timeline against that Grizzlies game freaked out. And I just want to congratulate each and every one of you because we've graduated. We know that this team is just really good. But they're down 14 nothing. I was just like checking like the live line on DraftKings. I was like, okay, they're minus 410. Like everyone in the world is like they're going to come back and win. And they did. Huh. So credit to the fans. But uh, yeah, I mean, they just they have to find ways now. You know Ant is cooking. My concern with Anthony Edwards is that don't peak, right? Like 31 a game in February. Sure. Keep that just please because you are as Dane said, the, the straw that stirs the drink, 31 points a game from Ant is going to be, I think, the baseline come playoff time. They need as much Anthony Edwards as possible, and they probably need that same, hey, I'm just going to guard Jaron Jackson Jr. defense too. He's going to have to play out of his mind. You know what you got with Carl now? I think Carl is having, in 2024, since the calendar flipped, he's playing his best basketball for the most part. Rudy's Rudy. Mike Conley's back. Kyle Anderson's kind of found his swagger again too, so they do need Jaden to be at his height. I don't think he's floor ceiling determined. I guess maybe he would be more on like if he's playing well, the ceiling again just elevates to another level. But right. if all he does is play the level of defense we've seen since he arrived here back in 2020, I think that's enough, not only for this small contract, but next year as well. So and again, this the next year stuff, I just don't understand why anyone cares. I I don't like Mike Conley took a 50 percent. I think you're paying Mike Conley and Jane McDaniels $30 million this year. And next right, year next you're going to... No, this year, right? Like, what does oh, Mike yeah, yeah, this yeah, year, yeah. Right? Mike's next 25. No, you're right. Yeah. So, so Mike and Jane this year make $30 million. Yeah. And next year they make $30 million. And guess what? Minnesota Mike is minted. He should you know, run, for, run for governor. But he's not going to probably give you 82 games. I mean, at some point you're going to see a decline in Mike as he just nears his 40s. So he's going to take 50% pay cut and Jane's going to make you know 500% more. And just got to shift a little bit more. You got to find Jaden getting to, you know, 10 points a game, 12 points a game. But for this season, I literally do not know why anyone cares what the contract extension is. I have no idea. And maybe you do. And I'm just not seeing. No, no, it no. With... I think it's, it's I guess it would maybe be fear about like he's never going to live up to it or or something. I mean, that that would be, the I guess, the only logical explanation I could I could think of there. But yeah, like you said, and it's something, you know, I've adjusted myself is I've been doing this, you know, for a long time and we do get to this time of year often and we do sort of shift you know even like the pat bev season i'm even at this time it was like you didn't you knew it was probably a first round of done sort of team so even right now we were thinking about you know what are the moves what are the things that they they can do or need to do from a roster construction standpoint for next season keep building on that the wolves are the one seed in the west and that conversation becomes a little bit more out of place mm -hmm. you know and and i'm you know i'm trying to check that we did the mike conley pod and i was just like you know it's all-star break whatever we're going to talk about the cap and stuff like that and the amount of people are just like ah you know like don't tell me they have to like break this team up why can't you just enjoy it i was like okay you know it's all-star break i just thought you know he signed a contract extension we can do it but i also get it from some some to some extent you know of like yeah, things are going to continue to get more complicated down the road. Um, not like let's forget about that stuff, but I understand the fans who don't want to think about it. Now. It is something that I'm going to think about, but it's not. It doesn't need to be something to dwell on there. Uh, yesterday, or maybe two days ago, with Britt, I think Britt highlighted that Jaden's numbers across the board have dropped a little bit. Right, he was 12.1 points last year. He's down to 10. He's like four rebounds last year. He's down to 2.7. And the one caveat that I don't think you guys mentioned, like why why have why have those numbers dropped? Because he played 58 games back. last year without Carl, right? So when Carl was out, mm -hmm. Jaden stepped into a bigger role. 
and shot 40% from three and 52% from the field and took nine attempts a game. Now he's down to 7.9 attempts a game. Like when Carl's back, we people don't like when we talk about Carl's sacrifice. So I'm sure they're going to hate this, but like you kind of just had to sacrifice with Jaden. We were at some point, at least maybe me and, and the fan or the fan club, were pretty nervous about Jaden signing that extension back in October. That was only four or five months ago. And I kept coming back this week when everyone was pretty down on him or the last couple of weeks. He signs that extension that takes him from three and a half million to twenty two and a half million starting next year. And I was like, all right, you know, Mikel Bridges or Tatum and Jalen Brown. Right. And Finch, I don't know if it was at media day or it was just in um, Brits one on one with him. It's like, OK, Jaden's about to get paid. You know, he's the Scottie Pippen of this Michael Jordan. What kind of what do you see his future to be like? How, how much more usage? And Finch said it flat out publicly. He's not going to get any more food. He's not going to get any more pie. It's like, wait a second. You just gave this guy a 500, 600 percent raise. And Finch is like, we have no room to give Jaden any more right. offense. So that's been the case. Like you said, his role hasn't changed all year. Finch said it in October. His role is not going to change. His role hasn't changed. And now people are like, well, why hasn't why hasn't he playing better? And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Maybe and, and, and why he hasn't isn't playing better because he isn't playing better is maybe there are more small tweaks that he can do or the coaching staff can do, but they all fall within that small slice of pie. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point is like the answer here isn't to extend the the size of the pie and be like, OK, you go from a 12 percent usage to a 20 percent usage or whatever. Um, it's what can Jaden do within the usage he has and where can he go get cheapies, right? Whenever, whenever Finch gets this question, he always talks about, well, if Jaden wants to get five or six more points per game, he can get out and run and find them in transition. And then there you go. Boom, he goes <laughs> Which he did against Memphis in that last exactly. possession. And guess what? Ant mm-hmm. almost didn't give it to him. <laughs> and Jaden <laughs> that, was out, the, you know, right? Or yeah. in that, in a couple games ago when he got benched and he did because right. he was just running, he was jogging up and down the court, getting cardio in. Go watch that three minute set. The Wolves got out into transition like three or four times. And if you've ever played pickup ball, it was just him going back and forth. Like, I'm not going to get the ball. So I'm not defending him because he did just kind of lackadaisically jog up and down. But there were like three on ones with Ant, Kyle and Jaden where Jaden's like, there's no chance I'm getting this basketball. Right. And it sounds like, again, I'm making excuses, but come on, you've Mm -hmm. played like if you're if you know you're not going to get the ball that much, it probably comes and again, that's a lack of maturity on a kid who has some immaturity flags. Like you have to find ways to kind of, I guess, you know, to your point about the pie, find ways to make the pie just taste better. Yep. It's the same exact slice, but, are, you know, is there whipped cream to put on it early in the first quarter? Are there ways we always talked about last year and this year where Rudy is the best defensive player on this team, but you got to keep him engaged on offense. Yeah. Why would that not be the same general thinking with a guy that you just gave a 600% raise to, like, we need Jane to be the second best defender on this team. Obviously, Antis can be the second best at times, but more consistency, Jaden is that guy. How do we find ways to keep him engaged? And to me, that's a complete combination between Jaden and his mental focus and the coaching staff. And I don't think the coaching staff is all that concerned right now about getting, making right. the pie taste better. I just want to plug before... Uh... We, you know, we wrap up this episode that this is a would be a fun weekend to to go to Falling Knife to, oh to check God, out the, yeah. the game. Five degrees and sunny. Yeah. Right. And they they do have an outdoor set up there as well. Obviously, we talk all, all the time about they have the games on with sound on in, in the tap room there. But it sounds like the, the weekend ones are the, the most fun, most well attended. Um, and you got tonight against the, the Kings 
as as a game to to go to Falling Knife, but also um, on on Sunday as well for that for that matinee game. They're they're going to have that going as well, doing a trivia thing after the game. So if you want to just kind of make a Sunday out of it, um, yeah, Falling Knife Brewing Company, Northeast Minneapolis. I mean, every game there's there's Wolves fans there, but I think uh, particularly fun to you know sort of put that uh, on on your radar for for a weekend and. And also, even if you you know don't drink or you don't want to drink on a Sunday, um, they do have you know non-alcoholic options. They got food options there. It's just a, it, it's I guess it's ostensibly a bar, you know, but it's a it's a place to just uh, kind of get together and and watch Wolves games too. So put that on your radar for this uh, for this weekend. What else? Uh, anything well, else you want to just touch say- on? The only other thing I had written down was like Nas and the bench, but we're already up over an hour. Just I, we haven't talked in a while. If there's anything else. Um, you want to get on here? Well, I, before we close, Falling Knife has really good water, by the way. Just honestly, I'm a water guy, so they have good water. But yeah, they <laughs> open at 12 on Sunday. I just checked their hours. So Wolf mm-hmm. tip off at 2.30 yep. on Sunday against the Clippers. So you could go there, you know, grab some food, grab, grab a water, food. grab a beverage. <laughs> yeah, grab a water. Uh, No, just to conclude it. I, they got weed water, too, now, too. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, we Let's just do the non I don't know why that's a thing. Why is that, a, why, why is that how everybody, like, reacts to, like... THC because every now. time you, you I talk about Portland. because every time I talk about gambling, alcohol, or legal drugs, I'm told that those are the things that are ruining the country and not anyway. Moving on, uh, Nas stuff to say for next week. I do think Nas Reed, even in like that Carl absence game, which I know was personal reasons and all that stuff, and thoughts go out to Carl because I know he lost another friend this week and that's just brutal. Um, but Nas Reed has shown more and more that. I, mean, I don't know. This is getting ahead of us, and I know people don't like this, but Nasri can be a starting power forward in the league. He's f- phenomenal. His play has been amazing. Uh, but I just want to close it with the Jaden conversation. Tell, just be honest with me. People like when we go back and forth. Like, I know I'm biased. I'm I'm putting that out there, but I also just think that I'm maybe one of the only ones looking at it through a sane lens. So, am I wrong? Am I right? Just judge no, my take. I- I mean, I, I get what you're saying is you're not you're looking at him in the context of a three point nine million dollar twenty three year old right now, which he is. I can't I can't argue with that. Um, I maybe can't make a strong, extremely like rational argument to say um, I'm disappointed he hasn't been better this season. I am, you know, and yeah, the the faces are all the same all the time, but but Jaden has you know, some volatile emotions, right? Like what I've been saying is this week, it wasn't really like you said like the, the lack, you know, the lackadaisical kind of running up and down. I just, I just got the, had the sense that he was just like a little moody in those games. And I, I'm not judging that like that, you know, and it's not great, but I, I just, I'm moody at games sometimes, you know, it's a back and back. <laughs> right. Like it's like, right. Oh my God. You never been crabby anything. at work. Yeah. Like again, I, I, I'm not, and I don't think you are either giving like a complete pass to it because it, it's, I, I think about it like everything this season where it's like, okay. And, and what I've done all year and it's bothered some people is I've been like, all right, you know, watch, I've watched that November and I was like, shit, dude, this is one of the best teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And my, and, and there were a lot of things that they weren't doing. And it was like, it, it totally changed my framing of the whole season of like, and once they all started saying it, no, we have this expectation of, being a contender, doing this, getting better over the course of the year. And I've tried to hold them to that, you know, and, and talk about where are the areas that they are getting better and where they aren't, you know, that that's what 
I like to do in my analysis of the team. And and it's the it's kind of the same thing with Jaden, where I'm not like it's not like Jaden is having a bad year. There's things that he could do better to be having a, a a year that is a lot better than it has been, you know, and it's it's all about where you're setting the bar of expectation for for McDaniels. And I don't think you have low expectations for it. I think you have a more in line, maybe more sane and logical bar of of what it is, given his age, given what his contract is. And like, I think you believe that is it is going to continue to grow. And and And, and so do I. I guess I'm just more I'm sensing the urge I'm 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 wanting there to be a greater sense of urgency because for this team to go to the Western Conference Finals which I believe it can do almost everything needs to be clicking. Mm-hmm. And Correct. and that's yep. one of the things that can will and should whatever be be clicking on on a higher level and that's why I'm not indicting what he's done. I'm not praising what he's done. It's like this is why it's really worth watching the final 23 games of the season to be like, where are they when they're, they're getting into the playoff at the end of the season, where are they, where's the, are they taking off into the playoffs from? Because to me, that is going to have when I ultimately make my pick or just have my thoughts of how far this team can go. It's going to be about how many of those things that they kind of had to sand down over the course of an 82 game season. Did they sand down? And they've been slowly doing that. Over the course of the season, we talked about at the top of the episode, the offense is the first one. And February was the best offensive month um, of of the entire season. So can Jaden keep sanding it down? Can he get more confident? And can his teammates help him out? That's a Mm -hmm. great point with Antlin. There's another in the first quarter. You know, Rudy's in the slot and he wants to run that little like handoff, get action, DHL, whatever you want to call it sort of thing. There was once in the first quarter, I should clip this out, where Rudy was just Jaden was just like, oh, I'm here. Like, we can do that. And Rudy was like, nope. Jaden went off. I came back for it again for a dribble hand. Now coming back the other direction. Rudy was like, nope. And there was Jaden. It's just kind of like, Jaden's like, well, what do you want me to do then? Like, this is where my spot is in, at the offense. And I, and he probably gets in his head. He's like, yeah, I get a dribble handoff between Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley is better than a Rudy Gobert and Jaden McDaniels or Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards. But it's like, you can still give him the ball there at that time and run that action. I think particularly because it's the first quarter. Like if you really don't be afraid to do that, like get Jaden a rhythm going in the first quarter. Look what that does for Nas. I really mm-hmm. think it would be similar. Like I, I and I understand there's a the pie is small and you want to empower your best players, but I, I, I continue. And it's what I've said every segment we've done on this, this, this week, I think there's value in, giving Jaden it a little bit more early in the game, even if it in the vacuum of that one possession, it's not your most profitable thing. This is, I think what you would get out of that will have an existential impact on the entire 48 minutes of the game or the, the final 23 games of the season. So we'll see. It's, it's something absolutely worth tracking and talking about and thinking about through, through the rest of the year, as is everything. This is what you do when it's a, you're one of the best teams in the NBA. I believe Jane McDaniels is this team's Michael Porter Jr. And I think the Nuggets won the title, and not by style of play, by any means. But Michael Porter Jr. is an offensive weapon, and it's sometimes borderline a defensive liability. And the reason the Nuggets won the title last year was not just because Jokic was the best player in the league. They're one, and Murray was the perfect sidekick there too. And that Bruce Brown and KCP and Aaron Gordon filled those defensive roles. They're three, four. 
but it's because Michael Porter Jr. played some of his best basketball on top of one, two, three, and best four. Best defensive all basketball. Yes, best defensive basketball, right? So the inverse of that is that Jaden's defense is always going to be there. Even when it slips a little bit, it's like what you said. It slipped a little bit. Oh, my God, he's still top 20 in the league. Michael Porter Jr. is always going to be an offensive threat. But if he can get his defense to crank up a notch or two, they're scary. And that's what Jaden needs to figure out on the offensive end. The contract stuff will handle itself down the road, you know. Uh, he makes He's 269th highest paid player this year, and he's 72 in the ringer rankings, right? Carl is going to get probably the top 10 player in pay, you know, salary next year when he gets up to $70 million. He's going to have to go from 27th in the ringer rankings. He's going to have to be a top 15 guy. If you're he's going to be the highest player, paid player in the NBA next year. Yeah, and he's going to have to be better than the 27th. You know, like all these guys are going to get pay raises and more expectations. But for this season, they need Jaden McDaniels on offense to do what Michael Porter Jr. did on defense. And if that does click come mid-April, there are very few teams in the West outside of the defending champs that can slow them down. He's Kyle Tige. Um, You can listen to him and Phil Mackey and Jim Peterson on uh, Flagrant House. They recorded that on Thursday, I, I believe. Uh, you can check that out, obviously. Uh, and Kyle's a, a great Twitter follow as well at Kyle Tige. I'm sure you're already uh, following him. Uh, Kyle, appreciate you making this happen today. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, are we doing this next week? Yeah, you'll yeah. we'll, have a schedule next week, I'm sure. Tweet it out. Yeah, well, I'm doing, I'm going to Indiana and Cleveland, so I think maybe you and I will go right before that that's thursday okay. friday so cool it'll be yes quick turnaround for kyle no we're back in each other's lives i know it's monday with chris though recap yep. recap recap yeah yep kings after clippers. the kings clippers uh jason i'll go tuesday after the the blazers game and then i think me, maybe me and you on wednesday uh we'll, we'll figure it out as we go 23 games uh, left not a lot it's going to be playoff mm-hmm. time uh before you know it so enjoy the warm weather i know you guys have had a nice early spring uh, and enjoy these games. Jim said it last night or when we did pod yesterday, there is, he, he has never had more fun being at target center and he doesn't even have the great seats anymore. Right. He's not even right. courtside. He's up in the 200 level, but a uh, target center looks even that Grizzlies game again, when this thing is clicking, it Absolutely. is the coolest place to be. And I know you think the same and that's kind of your office. Uh, and you're like, I like going to the office. So uh, shout out to everyone that keeps doing that. And shout out to everyone that sponsors the pod and supports the pod. And we'll do it again next week. Chris and I will be back on uh, Monday to uh, yeah to recap Kings and Clippers no episodes uh, over the weekend. Uh, until then, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.